Hi, this is Jim Walden. I'm senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Temple City, California, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us. In these challenging days, if you're looking for hope and encouragement, you found a good place. We hope God's Word inspires you, speaks to your heart, and grows your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. We ordered the cooler weather. How'd we do? Not bad, right? Isn't God good that we get a respite from all the heat? I'm so grateful. Are you glad you're here? Oh, come on. Are you glad you're here? Let's hear you at home. Are you glad you're here? Oh, very good. Okay. We want to again welcome those that are watching online. So glad you could join us. And I'm grateful that you're here. I'm Jim Walden, the senior pastor. That just means the older guy with no hair. Uh, Zach is our youth pastor. And I'm glad he's awake today because our youth had an all-nighter here Friday night. And I showed up yesterday at 8, and Zach was almost living at that point. But they had a wonderful time. I'm so glad for that. Hey, I want to introduce you to somebody else. Francis, would you come up? In the kingdom of God, every once in a while, God brings along a special friend. And this is another one of them. When I was serving on Transformation Ministries Board, that's our association of churches, I met this guy and two others, and we soon realized we both loved two thi- well, three things. Our families... Thank the you. Lord Jesus and golf. <laughs> and I don't like him because he's a much better golfer than me. <laughs> but I love him dearly. Francis and his wife Sunitha most of the year abide outside of Hyderabad in India. Yeah. And he pastored for a while down in Irvine, a transformation ministry church. And he's back in the States uh, just for a little bit. So I invite him to come to share for about five minutes. You can time him. And he's going <laughs> to... He's going to share about his ministry. Would you welcome Francis Bergala? Oh, there you go. There you go. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Jim. Uh, first, maybe some of you remember me. I was here in January of this year uh, giving you a report of what's happening in India and how you can be praying. So I am back here to do two things, to thank you for all your prayers and also share a little bit about what happened during the last five months. I'm sure if you have been watching news, uh, you have seen how tragic and how sad the second wave of COVID happened in India and many people died. Uh, as of today, uh, I'm sure we should be all praying for believers and body of Christ in Afghanistan who are going through a lot more persecution than anybody else anywhere in the world. So. Uh, definitely our prayers are with our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan uh, right now. But I just wanted to share a few things about what's happening in other parts of the world, especially in India. So uh, I'll just share a few pictures because I can talk, but uh, nothing will do justice to showing this picture. So uh, I went in January. In February, we started training pastors. So what we do is, me and my wife, we do retreats for pastors and missionaries for their soul care. Uh, but uh, we went there uh, in February. It looked like everything is going down, so we started our activities. And for an entire year, many rural pastors did not have their church, meaning they did not have gatherings, so they didn't have offerings, which was their primary salary. If they didn't have a worship, they don't have offering, they don't have a salary. So many pastors and missionaries were really going through very difficult times. So what we decided was, okay, since the country is opening, let's go and help them with food, some medicine. So after this retreat, I just, what, uh, so this, these are some of the retreats we did for couples. That is a church, by the way. Uh, and uh, there are like 25 couples there. 
and we gave away food and also some medicine because we were just coming out of the first wave of COVID. And then uh, after a few retreats, this happened. This one slide should explain everything. So it started in 2020, uh, February. If you see September, October, we reached 100,000 cases every day. This was the first wave last year. And December, I was here, January. February, I went back. You see, in April, it just went to 400,000 new cases every day. So this April and May were some of the worst months in the entire history of our country. We have never seen that many deaths any time. And I'll show you why. 400,000 deaths, uh, uh, 400,000 cases every day, almost four or 5,000 deaths. But that number is not accurate, actually. Many people believe at least it's three or four times more than that. Uh, so here are some pictures of how bad the situation was. And the reason I'm sharing that is only so that you will understand uh, that, you know, we are so blessed here, but the body of Christ is suffering and persecuting in other parts of the world and just so that we can pray, so that we'll have a better perspective of our life and our brothers and sisters. So the hospitals were so full. Normally, COVID patients are put in a room and nobody else will go into that room. But our hospitals were so full that we had to put two people on the same bed, not in the same room. That's one of the pictures. On the same bed, two people, two COVID patients trying to get some oxygen. This is the long line of ambulances. And uh, yeah, really good luck of you getting a chance of getting in. Many people actually died in the ambulances waiting to get a chance. And we are only talking about cities and towns. If you live in a very remote village and somewhere in the hills, yeah, there is no chance of you even reaching the hospital. Forget about getting into the ambulance. There were so many deaths, and especially India is a Hindu country. They cremate their bodies. They burn the bodies. Uh, usually, there are like five or eight bodies in a crematory that are burnt. But during this time, there were more than 200 bodies burning every day in every crematory. It was so bad that uh, there was such a long waiting bodies just to be burnt. And uh, when they could not burn all of the bodies in the crematory, the government just decided, you can burn the bodies anywhere you want. So here are some bodies which are burnt on the sidewalk. This is not a crematory, it's just anywhere you can. And when they couldn't finish burning the bodies, some of them were even tossed into the rivers. It, it, is, it was that bad. This was the most emotionally draining time for me and my wife and many pastors and others. A couple of reasons we had a, a something called a Kumbh Mela or a Hindu festival where there were so many people gathered in one place. You know, people ask me, hey, can you guys do social distancing in India? And I show them this picture. I say, yeah, this is, yeah, this is the best social distancing we can do. <laughs> so uh, we also had election rallies that caused, that basically caused the spike. So you can see how people, this is all happened in March. And that is why in April and May uh, that happened. And during, this per, during the pandemic, as, as if that was not sufficient, uh, Christians were still persecuted. Uh, per, pastors were beaten up, churches were burnt. And uh, this, this uh, newspaper article says that there were eight Christian families who were uh, thrown away from their village because the villagers didn't want them to be worshiping there. So uh, they were still paying a big price for the Lord. And this is the time when me and my wife and a few others started helping families. 
So I just show you some pictures of pastors whom we help food, medicine, and whatever they needed. Uh, but by May, actually many of these pastors started dying, not only being affected with COVID, but dying. Because they were burying COVID patients. They were ministering to COVID families and unconsciously or not aware, they were affected by it. The, the worst part was for young pastors who were constantly working, but they die. And now they leave a widow with a couple of children. Uh, and that was the most difficult part for us because some of them were our students. Like they were much younger, like uh, they were in their 30s. So the wife is still early 30s with two children, but most likely she will stay a widow for the rest of her life because there's, a, there's not too many men who will come forward and say, I will accept you and your two children and marry you. So very good chance that many of these widows who are pastor's wives now were, but now they will be widows for life raising these two children. So just show you some pictures. This is another pastor who died uh, and she will be raising those girl, girls. This is another uh, pastor's wife. One of my students is giving her money. She will have to raise those two boys. This is another pastor's wife who died, a uh, pastor who died, and the wife uh, has to raise two, those two girls. So we gave her a sewing machine so that at least she will generate some income for herself. Another pastor's uh, wife who will have to raise those two boys. And... Uh, another pastor's wife who has to raise those two boys. The, I'm, I'm just showing you some pictures of many pastors. Thousands of pastors died uh, during May. And uh, so when I go back, most likely we'll be just trying to comfort them, help them in any way possible to, so that they can just stand on their own feet. So uh, coming to vaccination, a lot of people ask, you know, India, uh, there's only less than 10% who got the vaccination, uh, both doses around 30% got one dose of vaccination. That means still 70% did not get. Uh, and it'll probably take a couple more years. But uh, we will have a few more challenges moving forward. So I would really appreciate your prayers for Christians, churches, pastors, Christian leaders in India, and also for me and my wife, Sunita. So once again, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Temple City. God bless you guys. Yeah. And when do you head back to India? Uh, September 20. September 20th is when I'm going, going back to India, September 20th. Okay. Let's pray for him and his wife as a minister. Father, thank you so much for Francis and Sunitha, who have a heart for the gospel, the local church, pastors and now widows, some who have nothing, and churches just move on without them, bringing in another pastor and just not really providing... I ask that you would provide all their needs. Yes. Lord, you move on folks that want to pray and give, that they would do that. Lord, I love bringing in so many of my friends from India to help us get our eyes off of ourselves because sometimes I'm so self-centered. Mm -hmm. I'm so self-focused, Lord Jesus. And thank you that you are constantly reminding us of the greater body of Jesus Christ. I ask that great stories for the sake of Jesus would come out, that many would turn to our Lord and Savior for salvation and be raised up to be mighty warriors for Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thanks for hearing us. Bless my brother and wife. Keep them safe. In your precious name, we all say amen. amen.
Thank Thanks, you brother. Much. Love you so much. Boy, it's good sometimes to get your eyesight off of yourself, isn't it? And realize other people are suffering. And if you're suffering today, I care. I'm grateful that you're here. You matter to the Lord. Francis, thanks for being such a dear friend. He's one of the guys I pray for every night and, and send him a text. And is so thrilled that I get to be called a friend of a guy like this. I don't think I sacrifice like this guy does. Um, so thanks, church, for letting me share another friend with you and for hearing. So, hey, um, just another quick update. We have a brand new list of all kinds of small groups back at the Welcome Center and uh, groups for women, for men, Sunday school classes, all kinds of stuff. If you want to check that out, new groups are starting and I'd uh, love to share that info with you. And again, make sure you're RSVP for Danny Ray. It's going to be a great 80th celebration, right? It's going to be wonderful. God's been so good for so long. And with that in mind, I, I just want to explain that for a moment today, I want to take just a one-week hiatus from my series on Revelation, although we're going to talk about one verse out of Revelation today, and I want to update you on where we believe God is leading us in the future. We've experienced 80 years, and if the Lord doesn't come back in the next 80, what's he have waiting for us? So I'm going to shut up today. Next week, we'll get back into Revelation, okay? We'll keep marching forward with that, but... Uh, Let's pray. Would you bow with me right now? Let's just ask Jesus to come and speak. Father, again, for the believers in Afghanistan, the believers in India, those in Africa, Lord, you know I got a precious brother heading over to Africa this week too. We ask for your mercy, your power, your testimony. And thank you, Lord, that this life is not all we have. We have eternal life with Jesus Christ. And we want the world to know more and more about that. I ask you to touch each person associated with this congregation who's suffering today. No matter what their need, I ask you to touch them. Lord, I ask that you bless our kids as some of them have headed back to school and more are heading back this week. That they would learn to be just a faithful witness for Jesus Christ in their world and their oikos. And Father, thank you for these people, both online as well as here on campus. And oh God, how I'm excited to share what the board and the team around here have been working on. Because we want to thank you for 80 years, how you kept and preserved this church through so many days. Thank you for those that went ahead of us. And thank you for those that are going to come. The harvest is ripe, Father. You've got great days waiting. I look forward to see what you're going to do. Jesus, would you come? Let your Holy Spirit speak through me. You're the teacher. I'm not. I just want to be a conduit. I want to be a vessel through which you flow. I love you, Jesus, and your word and your church. I love your vision and your mission. Would you come and speak? Anoint us. Open up our ears. And thanks for your word. In Jesus' name, we all say Amen. Well, if you would, grab your fill-in-the-blank outline, and uh, I want to talk about 80 years. Again, let's celebrate, right, what God has done in 80 years in this ministry of the Beacon on Baldwin, the church that's been here for so long, and I want to refocus on our, our purpose. So our key word today that I'd like you to keep in the back of your mind is purpose, purpose. 
Keep it in your mind. Now, I love Temple City. If you're joining us online, Temple City is in Southern California. Beautiful, sunny, hot, well, cloudy and cool. Uh, near, not far from Pasadena, if you're looking for us on a map. And I love this city. And in Temple City, of notable interest is that even though the chain no longer has a store within our city limits, do you know the original Winchell's opened here in Temple City? back in October 8 of 1948. Now that's not the building they opened in, but the first Winchell's, who wants a donut right about now, right? Amen. The first Winchell's opened here in 1948. Do you know that in 1976, a notable Temple City moment, David Klein, an American inventor, was living in Temple City when he came up with the idea for a new candy company called... Jelly Belly. The idea started right here. Who wants a jelly bean? This is not Weight Watcher Sunday at First Baptist Temple City, I guess I'll just say. And did you know that almost 80 years ago, a new congregation was formed in a young, unincorporated, burgeoning metropolis outside of Los Angeles called Temple City. This new town would not even be incorporated until 1960. Yet 80 years ago, friends, there was a vision for a thriving newer area to bring the message of Jesus Christ, his gospel, his good news to those residing here. Hence, the beginning of First Baptist of Temple City. And here's a picture of our founding pastor, the Reverend Melvin Hamro. Maybe you've seen these pictures that are in our hallway of our office complex. After him came along the Reverend Edgar Williams. After him followed... I can get it to click. The Reverend Dr. Ralph Walker. After him came the Reverend Kenneth Dunkelberger. And where is Anne? Anne's here today. There she is. His widow is sitting right back there. Anne still worships with us today. I love you, dear. I'm so grateful that you're here. After him came the Reverend Dr. James Webster. And many of you probably know this handsome, strapping young man over here, the Reverend Dr. Douglas Beyer, who not only pastored here, but interned more than once in vacancies. And the man I followed, the Reverend Dr. Glenn Lane. And now in 80 years, I'm your eighth pastor. Do you know what a great run that is of pastors? Do you know how many churches go through pastors like a fast food restaurant? And this church has only put up with guys like me for the past nine years. But wow, what God has done. And you know, these men are all men that went before me that had a white-hot passion for Jesus Christ and the gospel. And through all their time of leading here, they realized the ultimate call of the Lord Jesus is to be his witness in this town to their generation. Doug, thank you. Anna and your husband, thank you. Maybe other family members that are watching that know of folks that have served here, even as associates or youth pastors or all types, too many to mention, have taken place. And they all had a white-hot vision to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Acts 1, and I got to put it in the plural, the Southern Greek, right? Y'all are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on y'all, and you all will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and at the ends of the earth. How do we paraphrase that? Today, it looked like this. 
Y'all be my witnesses in Temple City, in the San Gabriel Valley, in California, to India, and the ends of the earth. That's us. That's us. And I've got additional good news for you this morning. The vision is still white hot. There are still people that need to know the love, the power, the mercy, and the grace of Jesus Christ. I wonder if you know it. Do you know it? And our Lord Jesus Christ calls his church, in no matter what situation, era, or context, to share his hope with people. Do you know that hope, especially in today's world, is prime? You know what people are looking for today? They're not necessarily looking for a church, even though they need one. They're looking for hope. That's why here on our stage, we have the Jesus. Sometimes I wonder if we should have put equal between the two words, that Jesus is hope. Jesus is hope. And remember, Paul said, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of what? Music? Did you like the music today? Hey, by the way, we got one more wonderful song. It's one I've just fallen in love with and I begged Victor to do it. And he finally said, okay. No, he didn't. He was more than willing to do it. And the team's gonna come at the end. We're gonna have you sing it with us. It's called, Oh Church Arise. Oh, Church Arise, great song by Kristen Getty, and we're looking it up on YouTube if you want to see just a marvelous recording of it. Love music, but it's not the ministry God gave us. We'll do music. It's not teaching, although we're going to teach. You know you can't get me to shut up easily, can you? We're going to teach. Quit, Man, preacher right here laughing at me. I know it's all right, right? <laughs> Bible studies, small groups, they're great. Nursery, he's given us the ministry of what, church? Say it again reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ here it is not counting men's sins against them is that just is that just good news I got out of bed this morning and my sins are forgiven oh my goodness and look at it he's committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And this call has not ceased. He is committed to First Baptist of Temple City, the message of the gospel of reconciliation. Why? Because he doesn't change. Y'all see a lot of change in today's world? And we're going to see more. But Jesus Christ, say it, church, is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Amen, he is. And Jesus' heart is still the same. In the same way, y'all's Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Peter said the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. That's the context of his return. As some understand slowness, he's patient with you. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why? Say it with me, church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Keep going. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Even in the Old Testament, God says, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked. Now you and I do, that's why we go to action flicks, right? The bad guy gets it, yeah. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That just blows my mind. You know why? Because I think everybody else is more wicked than me. 
Boy, what a lie that is. Paul, one of the greatest followers of Jesus Christ, called himself the chief of sinners. But rather they turn from their ways. Turn, turn from your evil ways, God says, and live. You ready though? Here we go. Here's the problem. And I'm not called to be popular. I'm called to be pastor. So if I'm not popular in telling you this, it's not my word. You go to Jesus. Here's the problem. Congregations drift over time from Jesus' call. Some churches get caught up in their property, in their building, in their leadership, in their style, in their focus, in their emphasis. The writer of Hebrews said, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard so that we, what? Do not not drift away. Remember Revelation 2? The first church, Ephesus, a noble church, a church that had years like First Baptist of Temple City, of great ministry. But at the end, Jesus says, I hold this against y'all. Y'all have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which y'all have fallen. A church is told to repent. Is that mind-blowing? Do the things y'all did at first, because if y'all don't repent, I'll come and remove y'all's testimony. I wonder, is First Baptist going to lose his testimony? What could cause that to happen? People drift. Remember, Peter was asked, who do men say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're right. Now I'm going to go die for people. And Peter said, that'll never happen to you, Jesus. No cross. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Boy, I've been called some names in my life. That's a biggie. You are a stumbling block to me because you do not have in mind the things of God. You've drifted. You now got in mind the things of men. Question. One month from our 80th anniversary, if Jesus were to walk in here today, would he say, you're a stumbling block to me? Would he say, not get out in front of me and go, What do you say? Get behind me. Jesus, all Jesus wanted to do was please the Father. Do we? Or do we want to please ourselves? What we like? What's worked for us? Who do we seek to please as a congregation? I love one of these short verses, Ephesians 5.10. Say it. Find out. Wow. Because you know what that means? There's things that don't please the Lord. And I think it's when churches drift. What was Jesus always doing? He was redeeming and sending people back to their oikos to spread the word. Oikos is the Greek word that often is translated home. It really means an extended family. Not only brothers and sisters, uncles and aunts, grandparents. It really means your world. You probably associate with about 30, 50 folks on average, many of which don't know Jesus Christ. They're in your world. And sometimes we think, well, if we got to take the gospel to the whole world, how do we do it? I'm going to show you in a moment. 
Look at all the different things Jesus said. He healed a man one day when they didn't believe he was God. And he said, so you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go, where? Go to your oikos, is what it is in the Greek. Go to your oikos. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and he went to his oikos, praising God. Praising God. He didn't just go home. He went to his people that knew him, and he praised God. In Luke 8, another time, Jesus said, go back to your oikos and tell them how much God's done for you. I know a lot of people say, well, I wouldn't be a very good evangelist, or I wouldn't be a very good witness. I don't know a lot of scripture. I don't know a lot of doctrine. Here's my question. What has Jesus done for you? It's all you got to know, because all a witness does in court is tell what they know. Right? You get up on a witness stand, place the left hand in the Bible, if they still do it, raise your right hand. You promise to tell the, the whole and nothing but the, so help you God, I do. Sit down, state your name and your address for the court, you do. Okay, so what do you know about the accident on the date of October 32nd? Well, I think, objection, your honor, I don't want to know what the witness thinks. I want to know what they, I just want to know what they know. What's Jesus done for you? Go home to your oikos. Just go tell them. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Again, in Mark 2, I tell you, take your mat, go to your oikos. Mark 5. Mark 5, Jesus, do you, do you remember this guy? He was, he was possessed by 2,000 demons. That's more than members of Congress. I'm not implying anything by saying that. Democrat or Republican, let's just all pick on ourselves, right? This guy was possessed with 2,000 demons, and they're so desperate not to go to the abyss in the book of Revelation, they asked Jesus to go into swine. The town comes out. The man is sitting there, sitting, calm, dressed in his right mind, and he begs to go with Jesus. Now, wouldn't you? Jesus, no. No. You can't come with me. Go home to your oikos and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. And I can just picture the guy saying, Jesus, just think what we could do together. Let's set up a stage. Let's hold crusades and, and we'll bring in a really good band and singers, okay? And then you let me share your testimony and then Jesus, you drive it home. Think of the thousands of people that would come to our crusades and nothing wrong crusades, right? I love what Greg Laurie's gonna do in October. Great one coming up. I love what Billy Graham did for generations. Love it. But that wasn't the main way Jesus worked. Jesus says, nope, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna change one life after the next and they're gonna go into their worlds and they're gonna share the good news. Jesus said, nope, you go home to your oikos. Just tell them what God's done for you. Because what's the Bible say? Remember this verse? We saw it two weeks ago. Isaiah 43. God says, see, I'm doing the same thing. Is that the verse? No. The Bible says, I'm doing a what? A new thing. Now, the gospel hasn't changed, but the way God goes about it is often new. It springs up. Don't you see it? I am making, present tense, current, away in the desert, streams in the wasteland. What am I trying to get at? A year ago, our board unanimously, unanimously supported us calling in Transformation Ministry. That's the association churches we're about to help lead us through strategic operations. I'm gonna call it strat ops. So when I talk strat ops, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's a group 
of folks that help churches grow and get unstuck from where they are. Our first gathering was last September. Our second gathering was March earlier in this year. And what was our goal? The first thing they said to us was, what's God done in 80 years? What's God done? And we made a huge list of what God's done over 80 years. They said, hey, you ought to celebrate it. And we do. Then they said, what might God do in the next 80 years? I thought, wow, I won't be alive. <laughs> Anticipate it. Why? Because churches drift and or get stuck. It's just natural, gang. It happens in marriages. You, you remember how when you first saw that person, your heart just beat so fast? Now when you see him coming, your heart's like, oh, God, here they come again. <laughs> right? There's this drift that happens all the time. Same thing happens with churches. And the question is, okay, so in the future, what's the Lord calling us to do? You may say, now, Jim, this sounds kind of business-oriented. It kind of sounds like the world, if you're being strategic. Shouldn't we just be faithful? You know, every church today is faithful. Every church is to what they want to be faithful to. And often it's their tradition. Jesus even said in Mark 5, you have a fine way of ignoring God's word to uphold your traditions. Shouldn't we just be faithful? Do you know Jesus had strategic appointments? He had strategic appointments. Look at this. In John 4, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Galilee's up north. Israel's down south. And between was called Samaria. They were the rejected ones. They were half Jews. They were considered unclean, wicked people. And most people would skirt that area if they'd go up to Galilee or down to Jerusalem. Jesus had to go through there because at noon, he had an appointment at a well with an immoral woman. You can read all about it in John 4. Most of you are familiar with it. Do you know what she does with her water jar? She left it there. She runs back to the village and she says, you gotta come meet this guy who's told me everything I ever did. Could this be the one? Could this be the Messiah? Do you all know how the story ends? They invite Jesus. It, it, it's, it's, she doesn't go back to the people. Some translations say she goes back to the people of the town. No. In the Greek, she goes back to the men of the town. Do you remember her story? She had had five marriages, and now she's living with a guy. So when she went back to the men, they went, whoa. Because let me ask. What was the penalty for adultery in the Old Testament? But this guy doesn't stone her. This guy loves and offers her mercy. After Jesus spent several days with them, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. See, Jesus sent her back to her oikos. We now have heard for ourselves and we know this man really is the Savior of the world. One immoral woman. One demoniac. Remember when Jesus healed the demoniac? He was the only one impacted. The next time Jesus comes back, everybody's carrying everybody to him on their mats who are sick. Jesus is strategic. Remember this verse? You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for us 
Acts 17, from one man, he made every nation of men, they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. You are in Temple City, not because you chose to move here. Oh, you did. God gave you the free will to do it, but it was all under his guidance. And he's put people in your oikos on purpose. And have you noticed that Jesus rarely did the same thing twice in ministry? Sometimes when he healed blind people, he just spoke and they received their sight. Sometimes he spit on the ground, made mud, and put it on the dude's eyes. Can you imagine the dude standing there and he hears Jesus go, <laughs> and all of a sudden he... Sometimes he laid hands on people. Sometimes he, he wasn't even in their presence. He just spoke. Sometimes he told them to go wash. He never did it the same way twice because the Lord is not stuck in one mode. Paul put it this way. I love this church. Look at it carefully. Though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Say it. Why? To win as many. Those are my words. Those are the inspired words of the apostle Paul. To the Jews, I made myself. I became like a Jew. Why? To win the Jews. So those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became, man, this guy's transforming all the time. Paul's the original transformer, besides Jesus. To win those not having the law. To the weak, what? I became weak to win the weak. Okay, I'm gonna say it. I'm going to say it. Francis, I might be joining you in India because they might get rid of me when I say this. I'm going to say it. <laughs> you ever notice how now the church really is all COVID-focused? And, and we need to be careful, right? We need to be wise. But why is everything now controlled by COVID and not Christ? Can, can I just throw that out there? Don't get mad at me. If you do, then tell Diana. She handles stuff way better than me. Or Zach, he's young. He can handle it. Well, they're weak. They don't want to wear a mask. Or they're weak. They want to wear a mask. They have to... Paul says, hey, to the weak, what do I do? You want to have a group with masks? Great. You want to have a group without masks? Great. No one's forcing you. I've become all things to all men by all possible means so I might save some and I do all this for the sake of what the gospel the good news that Christ has reconciled us to the father by taking away our sins so I may share in his blessings Jesus changed and became like us to bring the good news he didn't compromise neither did Paul neither will we y'all got that we're not compromising yet Doing the same things the same way, but expecting different results is called what? You almost have a relative or something. <laughs> so many churches just over 80 years. It, it broke my heart. My mom, who's been with Jesus now 14 years, I'll never forget the summer before she died, she was back on Long Island and went to the childhood church. One of the first churches, my grandfather, the first preacher in our family, pastored. And my sister took her there and they walked into the sanctuary 
the sanctuary, and the whole property looked exactly like it did 60 years earlier. And she met the pastor and talked to him and said, how's the ministry going? He goes, hardly anybody comes. So we got together a team, gracious volunteers from teens to their 70s, male and female. Who are they? It was Zach Bondock, alphabetical, Steve Clark, Kaylin Coates, Michelle Cooper, Karen Federoff, Naomi Ibarra, which was Felix, she just got married, Robert Ferrara, Leo Giamalva, Dale Montgomery, Christy Oster, Rob Shifter, Victor Silva, Jim Walden, Linda Walpus, Rick Wenzel, and Karen Wenzel, who now live down in San Diego. The conclusion, we met for 18 hours the first weekend. 18 hours the first weekend. Almost a year ago. There's the dates. And then again, a second time in March. Five hours the second weekend, talking, praying, discussing, seeking, begging God. God, what can you do to just get the fire again of Jesus Christ? And we came to a unanimous conclusion that moving towards our 80th year of ministry in Temple City, the Lord gave us five fresh initiatives. Five, you want to know what they are? Yeah. Here you go. Here they are. Number one, we got to deal with first impressions. Do you know how many people go to churches and nobody says hello to them? I, I hope we as a church that when folks, that's why you'll often see me beginning of the service, I'm back there wanting to say hi to as many people as I can. How are we welcoming and following up with new folks and what can we do to improve it? And Zach was willing to be the leader of a team that's been working with that. Second is our small groups. How can we expand our group ministry from Sunday school classes to small groups meeting in homes? And Linda Walpus and Karen Federoff are team leaders in that initiative. That's why we got new stuff going on and we will continue. Third, have you heard of the accountability leadership model, ALM? Okay, let me explain what it is. The board has been operating with me since I came here under the accountability leadership model and that is I'm accountable to the board. And the board says, Jim, here are your parameters. And when you're in this playing field, you can do whatever you want. We're just going to make sure you don't step out of bounds. And it frees me up to lead the staff and to lead the vision. And it's based on how can we track and hold the senior pastor uh, accountable for maximum healthy progress. Leo Giamalva, sitting in the back, is our team leader there. Up until last year, he was also chair of our board. So they work with me to make sure I'm staying within the bounds of the gospel, but then I can do and share the vision God's given me. Number four, our prayer ministry is so important, and we want to see God answer 2,000 prayers this year. By the way, we, I didn't get the cards out this week. I apologize, but each week, there's going to be three by five cards in the chairs, and whatever prayer God answered that week, we just want you to mark it because we're going to plaster them here on campus because God answers prayer. Do you know that? Do you believe that? He does. He does. And we want to know how God has answered your prayers. And Noemi Ibarra is our team leader for that, along with our small group uh, prayer ministry. And the fifth one is a big one too, social media. Social media. Why social media? Because that's the way the young generation communicates anymore. Have you gone into a restaurant and see four kids at a booth? They're all texting each other. It's not me. It's not my generation. It is the younger generation. And how do we communicate in today's world and how can we improve? We got a new website we're going to be launching, Instagram, podcasts, Facebook, we're on YouTube, 
and Victor is our team leader. And I want to let you know that we have hired his wife, Mariana, who's very sharp. She knows social media like the palm of her hand. And she's our new part-time social media director. These are five areas we feel like we really got to focus on that can help us connect with people when they first show up to social media. Maybe they haven't shown up because young families today don't look into, you already, you young people won't know this next phrase, the yellow pages. <laughs> Raise your hand if you know what the yellow pages are. Yes, yeah, either hands aren't going up, they're going, is that a page that sat out in the sun too long? What's a yellow page? I don't know. <laughs> they look online. They watch online before they ever decide if they'll come to a church or not. And we believe people today are looking for hope. Listen, I celebrate that we're Baptists. That's great. Baptist doesn't mean anything to them. They don't even know what that is. They're looking for hope. So, why would we focus on hope? Well, Paul at one time said, what are the top three things in the kingdom? They are, say it, church, what? That's important, right? What's the second one? Oh, and what's the last one? And that's the biggie, right? But what's number two then? Hope. What's number three? Faith. Wow. So we're going to refresh our name. Y'all ready? Here it comes. Because when they're on social media and looking and they type in hope, we want them to discover there's one hope at FBTC. Does that make sense? There's one hope. And what's his name? See, so you know that. They don't yet. But when they're looking for hope, we want them to connect with us. And that's why starting September 19, we want to call ourselves One Hope at FBTC. Because people today are looking for hope. And we've got a new logo we want to show you. Mariana worked with a professional company. I love this. This is so good. You want to know why this is so good? Because I had nothing to do with it. I'm so not creative. But our logo is based on the idea of an open door, and it's inspired by a simplified, modernized icon of the archways of our bell tower. And this is what it looks like. You like that? I love it too. One hope at FBTC, and I love it. it uses the arch from the bell tower, but it looks like an open door, and the OH is right there, one hope. Thank you, Mariana, for working with those folks and coming up with something. And we have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And guess what we got to keep doing? Pray and pray and pray. This is what a T-shirt will look like. We got a great deal. One for 10 bucks or two for 30. So you can get, <laughs> just kidding, just having fun with y'all. You know, five out of four people are bad at math. Yeah, right. So, so just having fun. So here's the question. Well, pastor, what's this going to change? This is a lot of change. Yeah, we're going to see change. It doesn't change the message. Friends, the gospel is still center and will still be center of our ministry. Because I'm going to tell you something. It breaks my heart that we're not seeing a lot of baptisms. We got that gorgeous new portable baptistry. The last time we baptized was earlier this year. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. And it's not going to change what we're about. Someone once said, principles, no, methods are many, principles are few. Methods may change, principles never do. We're not changing our principles. We're changing our methods. 
How many of you know Proverbs 11? I love it. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Tree of life. Wow, that's what was taken away from Adam and Eve in the garden. And by the way, we'll see it again in the book of Revelation. It's in heaven. We're going to get to eat. We're going to get to pick the right tree in heaven. Isn't that neat? Instead of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And look what it says. And he or she who does something is wise. You know the rest of the verse? What shows wisdom? Whoever wins souls, that's wisdom. Because Jesus said, no, they said about Jesus, rather, forgive me, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Remember, I preached on Zacchaeus earlier this year. Jesus reached the spot under the tree. He looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must, strategic appointment, be at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down. Now you tell me if the next verse is accurate. Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. You tell me this next verse is right, verse seven. And everyone who saw this rejoiced, praised God, and said, how can we do the same to save lost people? No, want to know what it is? All the people saw this. All the people, how many? All the people saw this and began to, he's focused on sinners. By the way, they found this picture of all the people. This is what they look like. <laughs> but Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay him back four times. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And here's the last line. For the Son of Man came to set up big churches. For the Son of Man came to hold crusades. No, I love all that. The Son of Man came to what? Seek and to save that which is lost. And gang, the call for the church hasn't changed, but churches have drifted. Remember this in Luke 15? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. There they are again. Hey, where's the joy? Where's the joy in the church today? How many people look like they've been baptized in lemon juice? God loves you. Hey, that'll sell. It was the same in Jesus' day. He's focused on sinners. He's bringing them in. He's associating with them. He loves them. Luke 15, guy loses a sheep. What happens? He finds the sheep and what's he say? Bring the joy back. I found my lost sheep. I tell you, Jesus said in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Lady loses a coin, huge amount of money. She finds it. What's she say? Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then a dad gets his son back. And he says, the older son, we had to celebrate and be glad. Let me ask you a question. When the son came home, did the dad look like this? No, he didn't. He was like this. Tears. This brother of yours was dead, and 
Now he's alive. He was lost and now is found. How about the day you stand before Jesus and you and I will? Do you think we can arrive in heaven and say, well, Lord, I didn't really figure out what you were calling me to do, so here I am, I'm just with nothing, I'm showing up in heaven, I'm glad I'm saved. I can't buy that. Romans says each of us will give an account of himself to God. That's for our ministry. Our sin is taken care of. You know, if you trust Jesus and bring him into your life as Lord, you don't have to account for your sin. It's unbelievable. It's judged at the cross. So what do we give an account for? It's what we do in ministry. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what's due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Francis, can't wait to see your rewards, brother. Can't wait to watch you. You know, my greatest thrill is not to be a reward as a pastor. My greatest thrill is to stand before the throne of God and watch him reward you. I just want to see him reward you. That will thrill me like nothing else. Remember the parable of the talents? One guy had five talents. He got five more. The master said, hey, you're pretty strategic. Good for you. Second guy had two talents. He got two talents more. The master said, hey, you were pretty strategic. Good for you. The guy that had one went and buried it. And Jesus called him a wicked, lazy servant. There's always strategic purpose with the Lord. There's always strategic purpose with the Lord. You go, that sounds kind of worldly. Well, let's see what Scripture says. For God accidentally sent his own son in the world, and as real some by chance were saved. You know it's not what it says. Jesus was all about the gospel. Jesus said, not me. Jesus said, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain a new Camaro, a yacht. Is that what he said? Use worldly wealth to gain what? so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Because whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with people? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who'll give you property of your own? I didn't say it, Jesus did. I didn't say it, he did. There's always strategic purpose with the Lord. Here it is, Psalm 138. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Luke 7. The Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they rejected John's baptism of repentance and salvation. When David, King David, had served God's purpose in his own generation, what happened? God took him home there's still a purpose for you. Is that great news? God is not done with you. Satan will tell you he's done with you. Satan will tell you you've sinned too much, you've done too much. No. God still has a purpose for you. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his what? His purpose. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you and my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. In him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. 
Paul says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same spirit, being one in spirit and in purpose. For it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his accidental workings. No, his purpose. We'll see this in Revelation in a few weeks. The 10 kings have one purpose. They'll give their power and authority to the beast and God's put it in their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beast their power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. Satan, gang, like God, is strategic. Don't let Satan outwit us. We're not unaware of his schemes. That means thought, purpose, or design, just like C.S. Lewis and screw tape letters. Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God. You take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's the word methodia, methods, craftiness. Hey, we're just taking care of ourselves. You ready? Now I'm going to pick on somebody. You ready? If I'm stepping on your toes, guess whose toes I'm going to step on the most? Watch this. Pastor is Latin for what? Shepherd. So let's go to Ezekiel 34 and let's take out the word shepherd and let's put in pastors and let's see if it applies to today. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the pastors of Israel. Prophesy, say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to the pastors of Israel who only take care of themselves. (laughs) Should not the pastors feed the flock? You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You've ruled them harshly and brutally. They were scattered because there was no pastor, and when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. And my sheep wander over all the mountains and on every high hill. They're scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you pastors, hear the word of the Lord. I am against the pastors, and I will hold them accountable for my flock. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep, and I'll look after them. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. Well, what do I do, Pastor Jim, to help with the vision? Five things were done. We're going to sing a great song about it. I need you to pray. I need you to pray. You go, well, I don't know who to reach out to. Have you thought about praying about it? Hey, there's an idea. Maybe God knows who's in my oikos that needs to know him. Just pray. God, would you give me a list? Number two, make a list of folks in your oikos that don't walk with Jesus. It could be a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, a relative. Make a list, because if we don't make a list, we're going to drift. How many of you have to make a list to get everything done? You got to get done. Because Come on, let me see. Let me see your, yep, thank you very much. How many of you walk into a room and go, why did I just walk in? But if you had a list, you'd go, okay, next I'm going to go do. Number three. Pray for opportunities to serve them. Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Serve them. When you serve people, you get a brand new platform. Serve them. That's what Jesus did, right? Before most people believed, he healed them, or he fed them, or he ministered to them. Number four, invite them to worship or special events. Danny Ray's our next big start. Maybe they won't come to a worship service. Okay, have them come to a performance where they'll hear about Jesus. And pray, number five, the Lord gives you natural and spontaneous ways to share the hope of Jesus Christ. Tell them what God's done for you. 
Tell them what God's done. What does the Lord have in store for the next 80 years? I don't know. But here we go. And church, you got to arise. Oh, Jesus, take us on our way, rising up. Speak to us. Help us to pray, to make a list, to serve those, invite them, and look forward to telling them what you've done for us. Oh, God, do more in the next 80 years than we could ever ask or imagine, no matter what change we face. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Hey, and as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, to be gracious unto you. And as he lift up his countenance, may Almighty God grant you his peace. God bless, church. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed our podcast, you can subscribe and share with your friends. To support our ministry, go and click the link in the description to give online. To connect with us, to know more about who we are, or if you have a prayer request, go to our website at templecitybaptist.org. We would love to hear from you. May God bless you. See you next week.